Today we continue the sermon series that is entitled Calling, Discovering Our Purpose. Now this is the third week in this series and you know it's one thing to talk about discovering our purpose by listening and preparing. It's another thing to talk about discovering our purpose and talking about failing, isn't it? You know, who wants to come to church, back to church, and the preacher talks about failing on the very first Sunday, right? The question is um, really derived from the fact that all of us, all of us fail. All of us fail. That's a fact. The question really is, what do we do with our failings? That's the question. Some of the most difficult people to be around are people who, who seem to never fail or want you to think they never fail, right? You know, it's, it's hard to be around people who think they never make mistakes. And so I hope that all of us want people to consider us easy to be around and just go ahead and confess. We make mistakes. We fail. And God has a way of redeeming our failures. Amen? You know, the good news is this. The good news that our failings open the door to our greatest discovery of our purpose. You know, I've observed that sometimes we seem to think that if we Christians, um, if, if we're faithful, and if we're loving God and we're loving our neighbor as the Bible instructs us to do, then all things will be well and we'll be successful, right? Furthermore, our failings will be far and few between if we're walking that walk of faith. You know, it has been my experience and what I've observed in my ministry that walking the walk of faith and talking the talk of faith does not keep me from experiencing hardship, sleepless nights, daily pressure, weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecution, and other difficulties. Has anybody else had that experience as a person walking and talking in faith? Of course you have. You know, if for some reason you're holding out for another answer, that everything's always going to be all right for those of us who profess faith, then I want to ask you, have you read the Bible lately? Or have, have you consulted Christian history? You know, I heard a pastor once say, when you begin to serve the Lord, you've joined the infantry. The prince of darkness begins gunning for you. You, you know, some of you who've served in the army can perhaps um, relate to that, uh, that analogy better than most. But we, we all realize there is a truth that, that when we become people of faith, it, it doesn't mean things get easier. Now, I also want to say I don't want to discourage any of us because the blessings of the life of faith far exceed any kind of um, a downturn that we might discuss. In fact, we need to see that our failings are exactly what God uses oftentimes to help make our purpose clearer. I want to also say clearly that we do discover our purpose 
through our failings. In our story for today is about Moses, and one of the greatest uh, characters in the faith has a lesson for us today. Moses is a representative, of course, of the law of God. We think of Moses, we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of the children of Israel led out of, of, of bondage. We, we think of the Exodus. We, we think of, of, of the plagues of the Pharaoh. We, we think of the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. We think of a leader who was having to make tough decisions. In the story of Moses that we've read today, it, it precedes the ten plagues that happen uh, between Moses and, and the Pharaoh, and that, that continues through the story of the Exodus. Moses has a reasonable request in the fifth chapter of Exodus. He, he requests of Pharaoh, may we go for three days and worship our God. Just three days off. We, we've been working, making these bricks forever. Could, could we just have three days off? And Pharaoh's refusal to the Israelites to do this, coupled with his command to increase their labor by not allowing them to have straw delivered to them. They've got to fetch their own straw. And, and they can't uh, diminish their quota in the least. They've got to produce just the same amount of bricks. They, they've, they've got to fetch their own straw. And, and, and if they don't, then bad things are going to happen. Namely, their, their foremen are going to be beaten if they don't produce the same amount of bricks. You see, the, the Pharaoh exposes his hard heart. And maybe the exposure is greater when he looks upon uh, the Israelites and he says, they're just lazy. Not only can you not have the three days off, but these people are just lazy. They've got to work harder. Of course, he could see in the slave labor that he had, the Egyptian economy really thriving on that slave labor. And what would it be otherwise? Moses wasn't asking for uh, the Israelites uh, to be freed. He was asking for three days so that they could worship. Now note, when Moses began to obey God's calling to serve him, things didn't get better. They got worse. Pharaoh demanded that the Hebrew slaves had to gather their own straw. Pharaoh demanded the beating of the foreman if they didn't come up with their quotas. And worst of all, the Israelite leaders began to point at Moses and say, it's your fault that all of this is happening to our people. It's your fault. You must not be hearing God clearly. You're not leading us the way we need to be led. And Moses no doubt felt like a failure. You know, encountering difficulties does not mean that you're not in God's will. We know that often God uses the difficulties that we face to redeem them. And the blessing is that we can even get clearer about our purposes in life by the way that we deal with our failings that come our way. Chuck Swindoll said in a book um, that I read years ago, but I took this quote down, and it sure applies today. 
the best framework for the Lord God to do his most ideal work is when things are absolutely impossible and we feel totally unqualified to handle it. What do we learn about a life of faith from Moses' experience? That's what we're going to talk about briefly this morning. You know, when you serve the Lord, you will face opposition both from without and from within. I want you to hear that. When you serve the Lord, you're going to face opposition. Moses' first opponent, of course, was the hard-hearted Pharaoh. And what we need to see in light of the entire Exodus story, that, that God's call upon Moses' life for him to present to the Pharaoh increasingly became, you have to free the slaves. But before those ten plagues and that uh, persistent announcement that they must be freed, they must be freed, there must be freed, Pharaoh gets this three-day, let us worship for three-day, request. But Pharaoh brazenly replied, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and besides I will not let Israel go. Pharaoh said in other other words, is this the God who would have enslaved and worked to death with no pay, his people? Do you think that I'm going to bow down to a God who would allow his own people to be driven like I drive them? There's no way I can believe in such a God. You know, during this Lenten season, I want us to be reminded of something. Have you ever heard a challenge to the faith that goes something like this? Why should I bow before a crucified, failed God? What kind of God would allow his son to be killed in such a horrible way? Perhaps the most popular verse in the Bible is John 3.16 that says, for God so loved the world that he gave to a cruel, unfathomable crucifixion his only begotten Son. And all of that to a world that does not understand equates to failure. Failure. What we need to understand this morning in the true Wesleyan sense of the word, we believe that God allows us freedom of choice. And Pharaoh had a choice. Pharaoh had a choice and he denied what Moses was bringing to him from God, namely that the Israelites could could worship for three days. The religious leaders of Jesus' day had a choice. And they decided to crucify Jesus, the innocent Son of God. 
But God had something on both accounts that redeemed the circumstance that was produced by bad choices. Our good God gave the Israelites freedom. Jesus, resurrection. And us, a promise to be with us through thick and thin, and especially in our failings throughout eternity. Is that good news or what? Is that transforming failure into God's purpose for you and for me or what? The whole good news of the gospel looks like failure. And yet we know we have a God who has promised to redeem the worst of circumstances through Moses for the Israelites. Through the way Jesus was raised from the dead. And through the way we are promised, we are promised that God is with us always. The Pharaoh's question was a crucial one that all of us need to answer and all of us have a choice. Pharaoh said, who is the God that I should obey his voice? Who is this God? You know, we as Christians can't read this without remembering that episode in the ministry of Jesus when Jesus is there with the disciples. And and the variation of the Pharaoh question comes somewhat like this. Jesus asked the disciples, Who do people say the Son of God, the Son of Man, is? They replied, Well, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. That's who the Son of Man is. And Jesus replies, But who do you say that I am? Who who do you say that I am? Others will make their choices accordingly, but who do you say that I am? And it was Peter, the great apostle Peter, who spoke up and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the response we are called to proclaim. That is the profession of faith we are called to live into, to discover our purpose based on that understanding. Even those who serve the Lord will have setbacks. We need to note that. After the Hebrew foreman angrily confronted Moses and said, Look, you're you're messing all of this up. You're, You're making things harder for us. Would you please just not speak? Moses goes to God and says, Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me? Ever since I became, or I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. 
You know, when we have setbacks in our faith journey, we need to realize we're not the ones who determine God's timing. Do you hear me? We believe things will work for the good, even in the midst of the setbacks. We we believe things will be made right by God, but we really want it to be made good and right right now, don't we? I'm going to just tell you that I've noticed that my timing is rarely God's timing, rarely. In fact, I'm trying to think of a time when my timing and God's lined up perfectly. The word waiting is used over and over and over again in the Bible for people of faith that it just doesn't happen on your time. We, we wait upon the Lord. And God speaks to us. Setbacks in serving the Lord do not necessarily mean that you or I failed. Or, or even that we're on the wrong path. We all hope to discover our purpose as we trust the Lord for the lessons and we learn in God's time. You know, when it seems that you are failing, this is the best lesson that Moses shares with us. Pour out your heart to God in prayer, just as Moses did. Moses said to God, and he's pouring his heart out to God. I don't think that we can quite live into um, the emotion that Moses was feeling when he saw all of the hurt being done to the Israelites. He pours out his heart to God, and he says, it didn't work, God. I did just what you told me to do. And then, by the way, not only did it not work, but I feel like a total failure And I feel like everybody who looks upon me sees me as a failure. What we learned from Moses was when things got really tough, when he experienced the setbacks, he went right to the source in prayer and poured out his heart to God. He asked why. He, 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 wasn't, uh, he wasn't beating around the bush. He was putting it on the line. Why? And we need to know God can handle our whys. God can handle our anger. God can handle our frustrations. You know, oftentimes prayer is our last resort. We've done all that we can do. So now, I guess we'll just have to pray. As if prayer is an afterthought. But prayer should be our first resort, not our last resort. And my guess is that as soon as Moses saw the problem, Moses poured out his heart to God. What do we learn from the story and from Moses about how we are to pray? If we, set, if we have setbacks in life in serving the Lord, we need to go and pour out our heart to God respectfully and honestly. God is the perfect, loving, and listening 
parent. I don't care how good you are at loving and listening as a parent, you wane in comparison to who God is. Jesus taught us that. Acknowledging that we don't understand why things are happening as they are. Asking for understanding as, as we trust God's timing. And bringing redemption to a situation is what we learn from Moses. We know the end of the story, don't we? So it's what we learn from Moses. We're to quiet our hearts and to listen to God for answers. God may just speak through other trusted people. Oftentimes that how, that's how God speaks to me. Through someone else that encourages me even in the midst of what feels like a failure, that, that, that I may still be on the right track with God if that's what I'm sensing from the Holy Spirit. And, and I think what we know about Moses was this understanding of who God is. And we say it every Sunday, and I believe that Moses embraced it too. He believed that God is good. We believe in God and we serve God because we believe that God is fundamentally good. And we need to know that God revealed to Moses that he is I am. And that was packed. We believe that God is good and God says to us, God is the living and the true God. God is the self-existent one. God is the beginning and God is the end. God is the promise maker God. God is the promise keeper God. God is good all the time. And Jesus taught us that God is not only good, but God is a God with whom we can be personal who is like the perfect loving parent. Therefore, we can pour out our hearts to God in the midst of our failings and know God is good. And one of the most important things we can say is that God is not only good, but God is good all the time. You know, y'all say amen really well with those masks on. <laughs> we may not can sing, but you keep up with those amens, okay? Our God is eternal and has the scope of eternity in mind in his personal relationship with you. Do you hear me? God is not far removed. God is personal. God is about you and me. And all of us in this world in need. God has my every day in mind. Can you say that in mind? God has my every day in mind. God has my best in mind. God has my calling in mind. God has my purpose. God has my future 
God has my eternity. Our redemption isn't a matter of us doing something for God, but rather a matter of us recognizing what God has done for you and for me all the time through our living Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who looked like he failed on a cross was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and visits us all the time through the power of the Holy Spirit. In closing, I want us to note what Paul said, the Apostle Paul said to his protege, Timothy. Suffering hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Our greatest concern must be that we follow a God who is good all the time, who has enlisted us in his service. And serving as a soldier does not keep us from failing. But let us remember above all else that we worship this God who's good all the time and all the time is good, who wants to come to you and to me in the midst of our failings and reveal so that we can discover purpose, meaning, significance in our lives even in the midst of our failures. Amen.